Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. I'm your host, Gary Davenport. The preseason has arrived, folks, in earnest. This very evening, we have one contest tomorrow, many more. Slightly better action than the Hall of Fame game, but don't hold your breath. Once again, there are four, count four, count four, fantasy football fanatics here tonight to help you build a winning roster. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Todd Latsky. How are you this evening, Todd? Doing very well, all things considered. Had a very successful uh, big wig meeting at work today. I was able to pick up a bunch of OT, and I'm going to sit back and relax, talk some football, and maybe have a couple of cocktails. (laughs) There you go. Also joined this evening by a couple of the gentlemen that joined us last week for a great show on the quarterback position. It's available in the archives of the show. If you haven't listened to it, you should. David Oliveris, how are you doing this evening? Doing great, Gary. Glad to be back again tonight. Ready to talk about something that we all really care about, the meat and potatoes, as you say, the running back position. I've been uh, elbow deep in uh, film for the last week, just grinding that, looking for some diamonds in the rough. So hopefully we'll share some good insight tonight. There you go. And the last but certainly not least member of our quartet this evening, I have a question for you, Michael Carline. We did the quarterbacks last week. What does the acquisition of Jay Cutler by the Miami Dolphins mean for the likes of Jay Ajay, Jarvis Landry, and Devontae Parker? Uh, It means Jay Ajay is going to be facing eight-man fronts. And it means that I'm crossing uh, Ajayi and um, oh, I just did the mental block. Um, Jarvis Landry off my list because Jay Cutler is. I watched Jay Cutler. He's he's not good. I mean, maybe you get the occasional deep bomb out of Jay Cutler, but you're not going to get a consistently good week out of him. Heard it here first, but man, poor Jay Cutler needs a hug. I don't think Jay Cutler's own mother liked him. Well, you know, if you guys all recall last week, you know, you had us all select a deep sleeper. And, yes, I guess I probably deserve the nickname uh, The Kiss of Death because I did say uh, Mr. Ryan Tannehill was my deep sleeper, and lo and behold, 24 hours later, boom, he's done for the year. Sorry about that. Oh, he's that. sleeping all right. He's sleeping okay well, with the fishes. Well, I guess what I'm going to have to do, since I bleed purple with uh, my beloved Vikings, uh, I'm just going to have to name a Packer as my deep sleeper for every other position. <laughs> I think Mike's a little scorned. I think, you're, I think you're a little scorned based on your pick, man. I mean, is he that much worse than Ryan Tannehill? Was Tannehill that good? I don't, I don't think so. So, I don't know. I'm excited to see it, actually. Um, I can't imagine he's been doing crunches all offseason getting ready for this this moment, but um, we're going to find out, man. So I can't say I'm investing, but I'll be watching. I'll have my popcorn out. I, I, I love- drafted a guy where I normally would have 
Jarvis Landry, I worry about a little bit because Cutler was never a slot, really a guy that targeted the slot guy a lot. I wonder if it might be good for Devontae Parker because he does like throwing outside the numbers. I think that's kind of the consensus is Parker's going to benefit the most uh, from uh, from Cutler's big gun, uh, assuming it's still in there. I'm sure he hasn't lost that over that uh, eight-month hiatus or nine-month hiatus he's been on. What I loved was when they asked Jay Cutler what he thought about being back in the league, and his response was, uh, well, it's a good thing I'm not – and good thing I play quarterback because cardiovascular is uh, not a priority. <laughs> I'm, I'm butchering the quote, but that was the general gist of it. I mean, that's all you need to know yep. about Jay Cutler. He's got all the weight of a wet noodle. Cutler. Oh, we have one other fairly large bit of news today in the contract department. I mean, it's great news if you're Devonta Freeman, his agent, and or his accountant. Five years, I believe, $41.25 million extension. Not bad money whatsoever for a guy that no one had heard of two years ago and changed. Um, I mean, it doesn't really change his fantasy value any, but are we pretty much in agreement that – if you miss out on those big three running backs, that Freeman is in that second tier, especially if you're in a PBR format. Absolutely. Well, I guess I the like... biggest people that uh, that I would have to really feel bad for would be the people who were kind of hoping that Tevin Coleman might somewhere along the line get his crack at the job. So those are the people I feel bad for. It's not over yet on Tevin Coleman. You know, a lot can happen. It's football, baby. You know, there's hard hitting out there. I don't want to speak anything into existence for my Devonta Freeman owners out there, but um, Tevin Coleman gets his share, but we'll talk more about that in a little bit on him. Um, I, I wouldn't write him off. I'm still investing, especially as current ADP. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got with what Coleman. Go ahead. Well, when I heard that, when I heard about the uh, Freeman contract today, I had these immediate flashbacks to uh, – Carolina about was seven or eight years ago when they drafted Jonathan Stewart and then you kind of got the feeling that Stewart was going to be the next guy in line and then they re-upped D'Angelo Williams to a huge deal and you never got the full value of Jonathan Stewart because he was always backing up Williams and I'm kind of getting that same feeling from Tevin Coleman that you're never going to see that full value because he's always going to be behind somebody else. Uh, you know, you can't blame the Falcons, especially with the rate running backs get hurt. And, you know, as a flex, right, you know, Tom Coleman's ADP right now is not out of whack to me, especially if you're in a league, of course, that awards a point for catches. I don't know that I'd get more carried away. Last year's numbers are going to be pretty hard to back up because his per-snap productivity was just out of this world. So I don't know that he's going to put up top 20 numbers again. But RB3, plug guy, I don't have any problem at all plugging Coleman in. We'll get, we'll get to the RB3s. We're going to start at the top of RD Mount, RB Mountain, the very beginning of fantasy football drafts. One year after the running back position was dead, buried, zero RB, never going to draft a running back again. This year, top of the first round was once again dominated by the running back position. I'll go to you first, Michael. Is it Le'Veon Bell or is it David Johnson? You know, I was really intrigued by this question because, to me, this seems like a no-brainer. But, uh, obviously, it's not if it's, even, if, it's, if it's a question. To me, I'm going David Johnson, and it has nothing to do with the on-field performance. It has to do with the fact that you're drafting first overall in your draft. 
you have to hit because you're not drafting again if you're doing a standard league for another 24 picks. If you make a mistake or something happens to that player, your season's over. So for me, the risk for Le'Veon Bell and the suspension and uh, an aging Ben Roethlisberger and the splits Pittsburgh's have between home and away, to me, there's really this is a, a no-brainer, no question. I'm going with the safety of David Johnson. Yes, um, Le'Veon Bell probably will outscore him, but not by enough to make it worth it for me to take that risk with that in that spot. I think I have to agree with you on David Johnson, really. Um, Looking at – I watched every touch in 2016 for both Johnson and Bell, and I'll tell you, that was a treat to watch. I mean, these guys are – it goes without saying they're special talents, obviously. But when you look at, you know, the things that DJ does um, versus what what Bell does, they're they're both so strong in different different ways, but in the same ways, too. The thing that I saw – that really uh, speaks to me the most and, and gives me the nod to Johnson was the red zone opportunities that Johnson got. He's definitely not the only weapon in, in uh, Arizona, but I feel like, you know, he is more of their go-to when it counts. By my count, I counted 70 red zone opportunities um, versus, you know, what I did for Bell is I kind of Frankenstein a season together, which is another knock on Bell. There's always, you know, suspensions, uh, you know, as you mentioned, there's also uh, injury risk and things like that. Um, you know, he's missed some time. Not a ton, a ton of time, but, you know, several games over the last few seasons. It adds up a little bit. So when I'm Frankensteining numbers together to find him getting about maybe 53, 54 red zone touches compared to DJ's 70, those, those you know, carries and touches where it counts the most really tip the scale for me in favor of DJ. Plus, you know, I just kind of liked his style. He's more physically the beast out there not to say that uh bell isn't but johnson just he looked a little bit better to me if i was comparing the two really splitting hairs todd you gonna give levy on some levy on or are you just gonna put this vote to rest uh, i'm gonna put this vote to rest and those guys hit on a lot of the same topics that i was gonna hit on there are a couple other things that factor into the equation for me uh, number one, uh, I think Arizona is going to be fighting through the course of the year for a playoff spot, and they're going to be in a lot closer games than Pittsburgh will be. So that would suggest that David Johnson will be used throughout the entire game, whereas I can see Pittsburgh having some big leads and resting some players. Uh, and, of course, we all know in fantasy football we don't want that to happen. But I can also see Pittsburgh – having such a big lead in the division later in the year that Le'Veon Bell could be more or less a non-factor, and that's during fantasy playoff time when you want him the most. Uh, That AFC North, to me, appears very weak with all the injuries that Baltimore has now suffered. I I could see Pittsburgh running away and hiding with the division really early, and that can cause severe headaches for those owners of Pittsburgh's shooter players. You make a good point with the potentially resting late in the season. I would probably lean Johnson, too. I honestly – I believe there's at least some durability risk with all three of the top three guys, whether it's David Johnson who was over – David Johnson was over 370 touches in the regular season, and we saw him go down in week 17 last year. And if you factor in Le'Veon Bell and Ezekiel Elliott's playoff workload, which I think it's fair to do because Zeke sat out week 17 – 
and Bell sat out the first few games of the season due to a suspension. Both of those running backs were also over 370 total touches. And I know everyone thinks that the curse of 370 is only if you have 370 carries. Not necessarily. John Georgiopoulos at Fantasy Sharks looked it – was, it was last year, so there were a couple backs that needed to be added to the list. But he looked at the backs over the last decade that had gone over 370 total touches, whether it be carries or receptions. And you look at their production historically that following season, I believe the average drop was about 25%. Now, there were a couple that did better. There were a few that did either about the same or, you know, just a little bit worse. I mean, I don't know how many people really expect David Johnson to score 20 touchdowns again this year. But there were enough who underperformed significantly that it's been a factor for me as I'm, if I'm sitting at the top of that draft. Well, if we've got one and two set away, number three was an easy enough question, you know, a month ago. But with each passing day, there's reports where Chris Carter seems to think Ezekiel Elliott's going to be suspended until the end of time. Jerry Jones doesn't think Ezekiel Elliott's going to be suspended at all. We'll come to you first for this one, Todd. What is Ezekiel Elliott's fantasy value right now? Well, during – the most part of this pre-draft season, he's been going anywhere between one and three. But after this news hit of this possible suspension, uh, I think he's dropping down to number six or so overall. Yeah, there are a couple wide receivers going ahead of him. I would be uh, leery myself. And it sounds like you made a smart trade in one of your leagues. And I would suggest, strongly suggest to anybody who is eyeballing Ezekiel Elliott, that they better make sure that they get Darren McFadden because uh, anytime you're losing a big stud like that, you want a capable backup. McFadden is a capable backup. He proved that last year against uh, or with that good offensive line that the Cowboys have. He's still going to be able to produce for you if and when Zeke is out. Michael? Um, well, for me, again, everything depends on value. At six. Overall in the draft, I take a shot on Zeke. If you're talking number three overall, I'm taking a wide receiver. He's the third best back to take in fantasy football. But if I'm taking him, you better make sure that you end up with with run DMC. Because if not, you're just asking for trouble. So when you're talking about drafting in the top end of your draft, like I said, you have to hit. And you're taking that gamble. And the only way you can ensure that gamble with the running back is to have the handcuff. And you need Darren McFadden if you're taking Elliott. So by taking Elliott, you almost have to justify in your mind, well, I'm going to have to go on Darren McFadden a round or two earlier than I would have just to make sure I get him just in case there is a suspension. So if you're getting him in a position in your draft, if you're getting him around the middle of the first round, I can justify to myself that that's worth taking that player later in Darren McFadden. But if I'm going at the top of the first round, I'm definitely going with the wide receiver over Ezekiel Elliott. David? Yeah, I absolutely agree uh, with with all your points there. I actually was faced with this decision uh, just last night. I'm doing an FSWA draft right now set up by Mike Clay. Pretty fun league. It's like six wide receiver. Pretty cool league. And um, I had the 1.4, so – you know, all summer it's been DJ, Le'Veon, Zeke, DJ, Le'Veon, Zeke. And then 
just as this news has been been kind of lingering on, it's been kind of tweaking a little bit. So I did end up taking Zeke with the fourth overall pick in that league only because of his tremendous upside. I'm confident that even if he does get a suspension, I can find a filler that would, you know, get me some points. It's not going to produce Zeke-type points, I don't think, but I can get that filler. If I miss on DMC, there's another back out there I can I can plug in for a few weeks. It doesn't sound like it's going to be like a year-long suspension if it isn't even an suspension at all. So there's no telling. That uncertainty is pushing his price down. I think it's important that we don't forget what Zeke is just because you hear this stuff, you know, kind of shaking around. If you can get a discount on him, even if it's just a pick or two, I don't see any reason not to at least take that chance. You can always recover. It's a long season. At four, I might be tempted to go Antonio Brown, if only because, I mean, when you talk about drafting at the top of the draft and you don't want that guy to bust, if there's a player to me who is bust-proof this year, it's got to be probably Antonio, given his production the last four. He's a pass-catching robot. I forgot that point. That was my plan. Antonio went 1.3, and it just blew my whole oh. plan up. So, so then I'm thinking, well, do I do I go Julio at this point? No, I'm just going to go ahead and take Zeke, and we'll just roll the dice and see what happens here. I can understand that, and there's no way I'm letting Zeke. If, if I'm sitting at six, I can't I can't take an AJ Green or a second-tier running back at that. And we went through something similar this last year. Now, granted, by this time last year, we kind of knew how long Le'Veon Bell was going to be out. But he was falling all the way out of the first round in a lot of drafts. I think I got him in one draft at the back end of the second round. I took Antonio Brown with, I believe, the first overall pick and came back and was able to get Le'Veon Bell in the second. And if you can do, if you can get Zeke at any kind of discount, you don't have to go undefeated over that first three or four weeks of the season. If you can just survive it and get through and stay in the hunt, you know, go two and two the first month. And I don't think he's going to sit a month. I think two games tops is probably what the suspension will wind up being. Now, he might get suspended for four games, but there will be an appeal, and then he'll appeal it down to two. My first guess was that it was going to be they were going to announce a two-game suspension. The Cowboys would appeal it. It would wind up being one game. Now, given the X, all the other smoke, I'm thinking maybe four games appealed down to two, maybe three. But I have a hard time imagining that he's going to be out. And you got the talent in that offensive line in Dallas. And McFadden is not – his ADP has gone up a little bit of late because of the Elliott suspension brouhaha. But his handcuffs go, he's a relatively inexpensive one, although – and this should frighten every fantasy owner on the face of the earth. We are now once again talking about drafting Darren McFadden on purpose, which <laughs> never ended well. So by week three, Alfred Morris will be the running back for the Redskins and or for the Cowboys, and everyone will be sending me nasty messages. McFadden currently All right, last year, in ADP. Right, last year. What a lot of people seem to have forgotten in this renaissance of the running back position is that none of the guys that we're talking about right now were the first running back off draft boards on average at my fantasy league. I looked. The first running board drafted on average at myfantasyleague.com was Todd Gurley of the Los Angeles Rams, otherwise known as Todd the season killer, Gurley. One of these high-end running backs, it's quite possible. As a matter of fact, I'd say it's more likely than not that one of those top three guys we just discussed is going to disappoint fantasy owners significantly this year. 
I don't know which one, and I'm not going to speculate. Except with one of my co-hosts might hear in a minute. Let me get to the question. I'll go to you first, David. Of the top ten running backs, you know, these are all guys coming off the board in the first two rounds of drafts. Which is the one guy that you're looking at and you're thinking, no, I, I don't think so? Did you already take Todd Gurley from me? Because I was going with the low-hanging fruit in this one. Um, he's uh, – <laughs> I just look at it. <laughs> I look at the Rams, and, I, you know, I know they got a new uh, new setup over there. But I don't see I don't see defenses being afraid of um, – I can't believe I'm blanking on the quarterback. What's that kid's name? I'm sorry, Jared Goff. Jared sorry. Goff. Yeah, I don't, I don't see them, you know, not stacking the box and saying, Jared Goff, please beat us. Oh, great one. I just don't see it. So – I think they're going to stack it up again, seven, eight guys in the box, and, and just force them to beat it. And, and I don't think that, you know, the combination of Robert Woods and Tavon Austin and Jared Goff is going to be enough to get it done. It's going to be – he'll have some games. I mean, he'll have some double digits, you know, score 20 points here and there. He'll be just fine. But, you know, right now he's the 10th running back off the board, and I'm just not going to touch him. I can't do it. I can't do it. I know he's a big bounce-back candidate, and I know he's a low-hanging fruit here, but he's my pick for the most likely to – the bust out of the top ten this year again. The lowest per carry average by a back that got the ball that many times in the season in NFL history last year. Statistics that make your heart. He was my first pick in death match last year, and thanks so much for that, Todd. Uh, what about you, Todd? <laughs> Who's your which top ten guys on your ten foot pole list? Well, you know, looking at these players, there's all that have a question at some point, there's all that don't have a question at some point. I guess if I got to go with somebody and he actually pleased everybody a great deal last year, but I'm very worried about their offensive line and what is happening for, for the new Los Angeles Chargers, forming the San Diego Chargers, and I am fearing that something bad is going to happen with Melvin Gordon. Uh, call it a hunch, call it being leery because he's burned me before, Call it whatever you want, but I don't have a great feeling about Melvin Gordon this year. I, he's not going to surpass what he did last year, but I think he falls far short. Again, that offensive line, they tried to do something in offseason to improve it, but as we talked about during last week's show and uh, as we've seen throughout the offseason, injuries happen. And they've lost they two starters the on the offensive <laughs> Yes. And now they've lost two <laughs> starters on the offensive line, and just like in the past years, the Chargers are one of the teams that are very depleted because of injuries. Not you, Michael. Well, I just want to preface this by saying I wrote about this guy being a bust before this weekend, so you can probably imagine where I'm going with this, and that's Jay Ajayi. I didn't like him before Cannon Hill went down. I really don't like him now. And the thing I don't like about Ajayi is, his splits between good games and bad games were drastic. He had he rushed for 1,200 yards and had half of that yardage in three games. That's just that's scary because he you don't know what you're going to get. Are you going to get 200 yards or are you going to get 40 yards? That's just too much of a split for me to feel comfortable drafting him as a top 10 running back. Add to that, he doesn't receive the ball out of the backfield. They don't throw it to him. Now, that might change with Cutler there. That might actually be a good thing because Cutler always liked the dump-down passes to the running backs. But JHI, with the, that sort of monstrous split, half his yardage in three 
out of 16 games, I'm staying away from Ajayi. Valid points all, although I wish you'd have told me about Ajayi before I drafted him yesterday, but I know I knew that going in. I'm going to throw Jordan Howard out there, if only because a lot of what's happening with Jordan Howard this summer reminds me of where we were with Todd Gurley a year ago, you know, coming off a phenomenal rookie season. Everyone's talking him up. But you look around the rest of that offense in Chicago, and granted, their offensive line's in better shape than the Rams were a year ago. But the quarterback situation, not awesome. The receiver situation, once again, not awesome. And I did, he's another one of those guys that's going to be staring at eight-man fronts every week until the Bears get down three touchdowns and have to abandon the run altogether anyway. Howard only averaged, I think, 3.36 yards last year against eight-man fronts. It's just it's an impossible task to ask a tailback to keep running into stack boxes all day long and really get anything going. It isn't to say that I don't think Howard – I don't know that he'll fall as far as Gurley did last year. I mean, I don't think anyone could have said they saw that coming. But I don't know that he's going to return the value that people are expecting from him in fantasy drafts. And I just – now that we've knocked out half of the top ten running backs, they said we won't touch and people are just sitting there looking at their cheat sheets like, well, what what, what do I do now? <laughs> so yeah, we need to get about Jordan Howard. I think a quick point on him is his his involvement in the passing game, you know, can't be can't be overlooked. I think he's gonna, as you mentioned, Gary, he's gonna retain some value because he he does have that bit to his game that Ajayi doesn't. They were going, um, you know, thirteen and fourteen at one point earlier on this summer. So I did a side by side of the two of them, and uh, you know that that edge in the passing game is a little dumb. The screens that are designed for him, that's gonna give him some value. Do I think he finishes with the RB seven? I don't, but um, I mean, I could see him being in the low teens, realistically. You may not get the return that you're quite expecting, as you mentioned. But, um, you know, uh, of the guys mentioned, he's actually the one I like the most of our of our bust picks right now, uh, of those guys. <laughs> That's why, I mean, if I'm sitting in the back half of that first round right now, some of those, you know, the A.J. Greens and the Jordy Nelsons, and I'm – if I'm going to have to take one of those running backs that I'm not where you look at it and there's a fairly pronounced question mark with that guy, I'd rather get him on the way back through in the second round. I mean, I'm still going to be very hard-pressed to go wide receiver, wide receiver. I just can't bring myself to do that. I've tried, and I wind up drafting a running back anyway. <laughs> but and it's just welcome to the running back position. I mean, this is just, there are – I mean, like I said, the top three guys, you could say there's workload concerns. Bell has an injury history. Zeke's looking at a suspension. David Johnson tweaked his knee in the last game. Last There's no such thing as a can't-miss running back. I mean, they're just – it's a riskier position than the wide receivers are, which is why some people advise taking wide receiver early. But if you can hit on one of those high-end running backs, the edge it will afford you over your competition is going to be better than what you'll get at receiver. So it's all about, all about tolerance for risk in fantasy football. Well, we got to help these people out. We just told them a bunch of running backs they don't want to take. So we'll start with you, Michael. Why don't you give me an undervalued running back? You know, a guy who's maybe going outside the top 15 or outside the top 20 that you think is going to turn into a weekly starter. Well, it's funny you say you, the way you put that. It's all about managing the risk. And this player comes with risk, but – you know, the management of where you're going to draft him, it, it, it's a lot easier to manage it. And I, I like Amir Abdullah. 
the, the talent is there, the speed is there, the situation is there where he doesn't face a lot of competition. Now, the question is there, can he be healthy? Did he improve? Because we don't know because his rookie year was so-so, and last year he got hurt. But he's walking into that situation as the only running back because none of the other running backs could run the ball last year. He's not going to face eight men in the box. He's going to face wide open fronts because they like to throw the ball. He has the speed to be a breakaway threat. He has the skill. We saw that his rookie year when he would take off for those long touch for the long touchdown or the long game. We saw what he was capable of. Now, if you're getting him in the around pick 20 of the draft, uh, running back 20 of the draft, to me that's a steal there because if you do hit on him in that spot and he does perform and he does stay healthy, you've got yourself a nice little gem there that's going to help you win win games as opposed to reaching earlier in the draft for another guy that may not perform as well. So I like those home run hitters late. I like a build this year too as an RB too, especially if you're, if you hit that receiver position early and you can come back and get him a little later as your second running back. Oh yeah. And then yes, the durability and stuff is a concern, but by the time you hit that point in the running back, it is with everyone. And like you said, there's a lot to like, about Abdullah. Who's on your undervalued list, David? Um, well, I'm going to do actually a, a duo of the Kansas City running backs, Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt. Um, current ADP for Spencer Ware is 49, and Kareem Hunt is 101. So I don't see any reason you can't own them both. Um, and, and really the reason behind it is just Andy Reid, you know, he, what he does. He, he makes fantasy football Hall of Fame running backs. I mean, you, you just look at – the people he's worked with, Jamal Charles, Brian Westbrook, you know, um, LaShawn McCoy, he does amazing things. I don't know what's going to happen in Kansas City, but I know it's a backfield I want to invest in. So they may be splitting. It may be where it shows for the first four weeks, and then Hunt takes it over, or maybe never does. But if I can get my hands on both those guys and just have a monopoly on that Kansas City backfield, I'm happy to do it because I know I'm going to get production one way or another. The buzz that I've seen out of Chiefs camp has been very positive concerning Kareem Hunt to the point that I believe he's even gotten a little bit of work with the ones. And, and I won't argue with you that given those ADPs, that's the kind of backfield where if you want, you can kind of double barrel hit and you can lock that backfield up. And then regardless of who starts, you're going to be standing if there's an injury, which cl- clears the picture up for you that much more than, you know, sometimes injuries aren't terrible. Todd, who's your undervalued running back? No, you know, actually, looking at this list, I had several names highlighted because I wanted to go somewhere different than where the other guys went. Uh, the first name that really pops out to me, and this is especially uh, pertaining to PPR leagues, but with the injuries mounting in Baltimore, and we had talked about that last week, I can see Danny Woodhead having tons of value, especially in PPR leagues this year. Um, with the uncertainty of a main ball carrier, they're all going to get some touches via the ground, but Danny Wood is, is going to get a lot of screen passes and short passes out of the backfield. In PPR, he could almost be a back-end running back one. His ADP is quite a bit higher if you're in the industry. The drafts that I've done, like the industry leagues and stuff, is Danny Woodhead is not last as far as you see on the ADP list because a lot of people are of the exact same mind you are. I mean, granted, Woodhead's well past 30 years old, missed most of last year, but the year before, I think he was third. 
in fantasy points in PPR among running backs. And with Dixon already out for the year, I mean, I don't think it matters if Flacco plays. Or you have Ryan Mallett out there dumping passes off Danny Woodhead all day, and fantasy owners will be just fine with it. Won't be great for the Ravens wide receivers, but what are you going to do? I would, I'd throw out yep. Frank Gore. All hail Frank Gore. He's 122 years old. <laughs> he's been playing football since the days of leather helmets. But he's put up 1,200 total yards, 11 years running. I think his lowest fantasy finish over that stretch is RB21. And that was not last year. Last year he was a little bit higher than that, I believe. I mean, he's going low-end RB3 territory. I mean, I, I've had a couple drafts where I'm sitting there drafting, and I look down and I have to do a double tag. I'm like, wait a second, Frank Gore's still there? Well, I'll take him. Plus I get 15% off at IHOP. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I know that everybody hates him. As soon as the running back turns 28, his legs burst in flames and he's no good anymore. Someone apparently forgot to tell Frank Gore that. I know he, his yards per carry wasn't great last year for the Colts, but he gets the job done and – they're going to keep feeding him the football. So as a flex with RB2 upside, you go, old man. Go on with your bad self. Yeah, don't forget, Gary, you can always handcuff him too. Marlon Mack's going 147th right now. I'm not sold on Mack. Um, just the film that I've seen, and for me it's a little tougher to track down the college film than the pro film, obviously, but – um, a lot of bouncing it outside and stuff like that. But, you know, he measured pretty well, and he's dirt cheap. I mean, you're getting him at 147. Gore's going to 84 right now. So could be another situation kind of like Kansas City. Just grab them both and see what happens. Oh, absolutely. And it's like I, I said, for what you're investing in, Max. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, i got to add two things, uh, a funny story, because about the two two running backs we talked about, I had my fantasy, uh, fantasy draft this weekend. And I was able to, because speaking of the Kansas City backs, I was able to trade Allen Robinson for Kareem Hunt and couldn't have been happier for it because I saw what's happening with Bortles and just took advantage of that and said, no, thank you, Allen Robinson. And the other one was a friend of mine leans over to me during our draft and says, you know, who should I take? He was looking between Darren Sproles and Danny Woodhead. I told him, go Danny Woodhead because he's going to be the primary option there at running back. Now, he may not be the lead running back, but he's going to be the primary option for them from the running back position as a receiver out of the backfield, and he always seems to get those sneaky yardage. He went Darren Sproles, and I just shook my head at him. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. You can lead a horse to water. When when December rolls around and Woodhead's sitting on 72 receptions, 14 games of the year, and he's, you know, right there in that top 15, and Sproles has had maybe two good games the entire season, you know, you can just go ahead and maybe shoot him a quick email, maybe a nice meme of a horse in water, and let him know. That oh, hey, speaking of memes, how happy, how happy are we about the Jay Cutler memes? Those are just the best, aren't they? I love those things. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad he's back in the league if for no other reason than now we get to mock him again. You know, it's, it's no fun to make fun of a guy that's a broadcaster, but if he's a quarterback, oh, yeah, it's back. Give me, I want the cat picture. I want smoking Jay Cutler. I want all of them. <laughs> now, nothing can help a fantasy team more. I don't think there's so many years the teams that go on to win the championship are the teams that find that late-round running back that comes out of nowhere 
and puts up big numbers. Or that waiver wire running back that three weeks in, some lucky slug gets off the way and winds up finishing inside the top. And every year, there's going to be one or two. So we'll go to you first for this one, Michael. Who, who is your super sleeper running back? Doesn't have to be that deep, but a guy that's not being drafted as a weekly starter that you look at and you think, oh, I want to get that guy late. Deontay Foreman is the guy I'm think uh, I'm looking at. He's now I, I feel this way. I'm hoping that because we're speaking of suspension, he just got in trouble, and I'm hoping there's a, a, not a very long suspension with him. But he's a, a rookie in Houston. And the reason why I feel this way is when you look at that team in Houston and the way it's been designed, they're not designed for a fast uh, back, small back like Lamar Miller. They need to pound the ball. They need to try to keep those quarterbacks off the field as, uh, as much as possible, try to rest their defense. And I just feel this ground and pound, big back, running between the tackles type scheme coming for the Houston Texans. It's the best way they can manage the talent they had, especially now with Will Fuller going down and really only having one good wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to need to rest that great defense. And the only way they can do that is by pounding the ball. And Lamar Miller, we've heard it every single year that Lamar Miller has been in the league. This is the year. This is the year. And it's never been the year. He's never broken out. He's never had that, that really great year. He's never been that type of running back. But I think Deontay Foreman, his type of running style, his build, the type of back he is, he can carry that team. He can get those yards. He can chew the clock. He can rest the defense. And I think the Texans are going to be more inclined to go towards that type of a running attack just to rest that defense and to, and to take some pressure off those quarterbacks as opposed to the, the type of running game they have with Miller. Hey, I drafted Miller yesterday in a league. It's a slow draft, and I guarantee you, as we get a little later into the draft, I'm going to be keeping an eye on the ADP list. We get even close to where Foreman's coming off the board. Even if i got to reach a round or two early, yeah, I'm hedging my bet with Miller with Foreman in that Houston backfield. Absolutely. Todd, who's your late-round running back gem? Your diamond in the rough. Well, based upon what we're talking about here, again, I see several names uh, I'm going to go with a name that uh, people are kind of sleeping on a little bit. There's been some ru- rumors that maybe after his, his suspension, he comes back and he doesn't have the job. But right now, the muscle hamster, Doug Martin, is going off at number 31 on the board. Oh, he's in the 90s as far as total ADP. Uh, I think that uh, they're going to realize that he is the workhorse in that backfield, and you're going to get a starting running back that late in the draft and you're only going to miss a few games, I think you're going to benefit in the long run. The muscle hamster seems to have uh, lost some body fat, gained some muscle. He looks better than he has in the past several years. I expect a good year this year. He prefers to be called the Duggar God. He honestly <laughs> does. I'm not kidding. And uh, Jeremy McNichols certainly isn't, at least uh, now granted, it's still awfully early in camp, but if that first episode of Hard Knocks, which was awesome, is any indication Jeremy McNichols isn't mounting any great charge for that starting gig yet. So I can't argue where Martin's coming off the board. Once again, I'll take a shot. I'll take a shot at any guy in RB3 territory on who I think has a puncher's chance of being a weekly starter. He's going to be on my radar. 
I mean, because that's the point where it, those are the kind of values that can give you just such an edge. What about you, David? Uh, I'm digging pretty deep here, although Deontay Foreman coming in at 182 is real deep. I like that pick a lot, too. But uh, I'm going to say Rex Burkhead. Um, actually, uh, you know, I've been, I was digging for who my sleeper was, and I uh, called up one of my old buddies. He was an old IDP writer uh, for me a few years ago, Rob Davis, and uh, he said, Burkhead, go watch the film. So I did. I went back and watched the last two weeks of the year um, where Burkhead had the bulk of carries for Cincinnati. And, you know, it sounds really cliche, but I saw something there. That's a complete back. I mean, he runs – he runs and drives the pile. He's got a quick cut. He hits the hole. He's got real good vision. He can catch the ball. I see why New England went out and gave him a couple million bucks just like that, why Bill Belichick, who, by the way, cannot be trusted when it comes to running backs, and we all know it. I mean, no. we should know it by now, dating back to Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, and, and the like. But um, I look at that New England backfield, and I'm just like, oh, I don't want – I want something in New England because you know how potent that offense is, but I don't want to waste a high pick or any kind of investment there in New England. Rex Burke had come in at 175 ADP. That, that might creep up a little bit with the current rumblings that are out there, but um, I, just, I just like it. I like it a lot. It doesn't cost me much to see, and I might be sitting on a diamond in the rough right there. From what I saw on film from Burkhead, if he can get in there and get some carries, he could really – take a hold of that that early down work and even the third down work too he might just make it his own show who knows with belichick right but i like burke had a lot hey, at that adp in that backfield he's probably the guy i'm targeting gillisley there's been too much height his adp's climbed too high for my taste in that new england backfield where you never I'm, i don't know that i want to roll out any new england back every week because you better have a crystal ball and be able to define what Belichick's game plan is going to be that week from the tea leaves or the chicken bones or whatever you use to forecast the future. Because one week it's going to be Gillis Lee who will get 22 carries, and then next week he'll touch the ball three times and it'll be a Hulk head. And then the week after that, James White will have 41 receptions in a game because Belichick is trying to destroy us all. He hates fantasy football <laughs> because it makes us happy. <laughs> well, he hates I, happy. I don't have that game for a second. If I can speak from somebody who's actually been to Patriots camp the last two weeks and watching it, I can tell you one thing that stuck out to me was something I didn't see, and that's Gillisley. He hasn't been there for the last for the last ten days. He hasn't been at camp. He hasn't yeah, made, there he a, hasn't made a, there's there's rumblings going on. That was the question going around: is when are we gonna when are we gonna see this running back they signed? And you're seeing Lewis, you're seeing White, and you're not really seeing much because it's Bill Belichick. He doesn't show anything, but you're not seeing Gillisley. He hasn't been there. He's banged up. I can't remember. I don't even know if the report said what kind of injury he's dealing with because you have a better chance of getting North Korean nuclear missile blueprints than you do get an accurate injury report out of Foxborough. But, yeah, he's – and like I said, the hype has climbed to the point with him where, I mean, you're, you're paying retail. For Mike Gillisley, Burkhead, you're talking wholesale, and that's much more my speed. My late-round guy, I'm going to go Jamal Williams, the rookie back in Green Bay, has apparently been very impressive early in camp, especially in pass protection, which is something you do not hear that often about rookie running backs. It's not to say he's going to take the starting job away from Ty Montgomery, although were he to have a great camp, that wouldn't necessarily stun me. I just don't know that Ty Montgomery has some ironclad grip on lead back duties for the Green Bay Packers. 
So given where you can get Williams, I think it's a nice return on investment. And that's coming from a person who owns Montgomery in a couple of dynasty leagues, and it doesn't please me to say what I just said in that regard. But, you know, one goes up, one another comes down, such is the life of fantasy football. Luckily, I'm loaded at running back in that league anyway. So I figured we'd, from here we'd go with some running back, ADP, buy or sell, average draft position as of last night at myfantasyleague.com. The best fantasy football host out there, folks. If you're not hosting your league there, you should. Fully customizable. Great for IDP. And that wasn't just a plug or anything. They didn't pay me for it, so I guess it's not a plug. (laughs) Hey, they didn't pay me for it, so it's not a plug. We go to you first, Todd. The first guy that I picked out with an ADP of 18 overall, middle of the second round, as the seventh running back off the board is a guy I mentioned a little earlier, Jordan Howard of the Chicago Bears. you buying or selling in that spot? Well, I had a lot of the same concerns that you mentioned in, you know, in your little segment when you were talking about him. Uh, I'm not really buying any of the Bears, period, this year. But at that ADP, I would rather have somebody that I feel more secure about. So I'm selling him at 18. If he, if his ADP was more like 21 or 22, that might be a little bit better. But at 18, I got to sell. I'm not buying one at all. All right. We'll go to you, David, for the second one. The young running really back. Torn. Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I thought we were talking Jordan Howard. We're moving on to Fournette, right? <laughs> yeah, or if you got something you want to say about Howard, by all means, proceed. I'm her. so torn. I'm so torn on Howard. I don't even know what to say. I almost, I almost want to trade back when I get to that spot because I mean, you know, a lot of people are selling. I kind of want to buy, but then I, I kind of see the the downside too. There's so much sketchy, you know, decisions you got to make in that sort of range right there. But um, I'm really torn. That, that That's one guy that's perplexing to me at the moment. Oh, the IDP slappy in me is very happy to do a complete aside that has nothing to do with anything. The Texans-Carolina game is on the field, the, is on the TV. The Panthers defense is on the field. Luke Keekley's in the middle of it. Welcome back, Luke. We missed you, buddy. Michael, we'll move on to the second well, name on the list for you. This that year, would be, uh, uh, Rookie ball carrier, like Ezekiel Elliott, the fourth overall pick in the draft. So, so much for that. No one takes running backs in the first round stuff anymore. With an ADP of 24th overall, back end of the second round, 10th running back off the board, Leonard Fournette of the Jacksonville Dirtors. You know, you're thinking 10th overall among running backs, what's there? Am I going to go Leonard Fournette over Todd Gurley? Yes. Am I going to go Leonard Fournette over Lamar Miller? Yes. Over an Isaiah Crowell? Yes. Over all of these guys in that spot? Yeah, that 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 ADP seems just right for Leonard Fournette. Now, obviously the thing that's giving me a, a constant theme tonight is uh, eight-man fronts. And we know with the what we've seen from Blake Bortles in camp already that he's going to be facing the eight-man fronts. And is he going to be able to, you know, to, to overcome that? And you don't know because he's a rookie, but 
But if I'm taking that gamble, I'd rather gamble on the talent that you see in Leonard Fournette than draft uh, Lamont Miller or Todd Gurley in that position who you know what you're going to get. Much like Beetlejuice, Michael just called the next guy on the list out, Todd, with an ADP of 12th among running backs, 36th overall. So we're now at the back end of round three. The aforementioned Lamar Miller of the Houston Texans. Well, you know, Lamar Miller had a pretty decent first half of the year last year, but the second half of the year he really, really struggled, and that's a big concern for me. Um, I think at that position, I think he's a little higher, too high for me. I think I'd rather feel safer with better options. Uh, some of the players that are right after him, I would feel better about with, with uh, Christian McCaffrey or Joe Mixon or Crowell, maybe even Dalvin Cook. I think I'd feel better with all those guys before I would feel the need to draft Lamar Miller. David, apparently you guys are just summoning these running backs because every every we talk about the back before the next guy up on the list you guys will reference. Todd just mentioned him. David, ADP of 15th at running backs, 42 overall. So we've moved in about the middle of the fourth round, although his ADP has been climbing and I don't know that it's going to stay where it's at right now. Isaiah Crowell of the Cleveland Browns. Well, I've been anti-Crowell all summer, and um, it's it's really just based on his ADP. It's not that I don't like the player. I just know that I don't think he's a good football player and, and really dynamic out there, but I just don't want to buy him at that price. I mean, when you look at the people going around Isaiah Crowell, I mean, there's some big names out there that can really produce – and uh, I feel like Duke Johnson's a better investment in that backfield, you know, coming in at a much later ADP, I mean, way down the line there. Granted, it's Crowell's, you know, backfield, that's for sure. This really feels like kind of like a poor man's Atlanta situation with Freeman and Coleman down south and Crowell and um, Duke Johnson up in the north here. They have comparable splits as far as the number of carries are getting percentage-wise. And uh, I feel like if Duke had just gotten a few more touchdowns, I think we'd be singing a different tune as an industry. You know, everyone's loving Crowell right now, but a few more touchdowns for Duke Johnson. And we might be saying something to the effect of Duke's set to take over. So just that little bit of a change could have swung things in a completely different direction. And so for that reason, I'm really not investing in Crowell, especially at this current ADP. My biggest problem with him is his ADP too. I like Crowell. I think that Brown's offensive line is going to be vastly improved this year. Mm-hmm. But he's one of those guys where as you move into the summer in July turns to August, the hype machine starts turning and his ADP starts climbing. And next thing you know, you're drafting a guy at his ceiling, which you don't ever, ever want to do. I'd feel better about Duke if I thought his usage was going to be a little more consistent than it was last year. As a Browns fan, God help me, I saw most of that 115 dumpster fire of a season. And there were some games where I'm sitting there and I'm like, I haven't seen Duke Johnson touch the ball in a quarter and a half. Why are you not, you know, we're down two and a half touchdowns. I would think that you would want to, you know, try to speed things up, maybe dump off a couple passes out of the backfield. Where's Duke at? He's sitting over on the bench holding his helmet. So I, and Hugh Jackson has said he wants to give him the ball more this year. So we'll see if he follows through on that. Then he's a guy you can get late who could be quite the potential value. The guy I now, mentioned I, a little bit ago. Go ahead. I was going to say I, I I've been hearing out, and you you could help me with this because you know they're in, in Cleveland, the Cleveland fan that they've been trying Duke Johnson out as a slot receiver. 
and working him out as yes. a receiver rather than a running back more this summer. I, and I think that's – I don't know if they necessarily want to convert him to receiver, so I don't think it's anything we have to worry about is positional eligibility. I think they're just trying to figure out a way maybe to get – Crowell and Johnson on the field together at the same time because it's not like Cleveland's wide receiver core is terrifying anyone. Ooh, Kenny Britt, I'm scared. <laughs> Michael. Yeah. Michael, ADP of RB17. So mid-range RB2, 50th overall. So we've just come around the turn from the fourth end of the fifth round. Ty Montgomery of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. I like Ty Montgomery just because he's going to be playing in that offense, but I'm going to get Williams if I draft Ty Montgomery, and that's that's the way I'm going to I'm going to feel about it. Is I'm going to handcuff him because everything coming out of about Williams is saying that he's really performing very well at camp, and that's not a knock on Montgomery, but what it tells me is that there's that much information coming out about Williams that makes me a little nervous that Montgomery is like you said earlier. Um, Montgomery's holding that job isn't exactly concrete right now. So I like that spot for Montgomery. I don't think he could do much better than Montgomery in that spot, but I'm going to make sure I get the handcuff with Montgomery. Well, that seems to be a bit of a theme we've established tonight, folks, is that don't be afraid to invest that second pick to lock up a Green Bay backfield or a Kansas City backfield or you know, given where Latavius Murray has fallen to, you know, if you grab Dalvin Cook, maybe you want to make a play for Latavius Murray later on. To where you're ensuring it's just you're hedging your bet. And injuries are going to happen at the running back position. And, you know, I'm not necessarily – I mean, if you want to get crazy, you could get DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. And Henry will probably have some standalone value. But that's a handcuff where you're paying retail. For, that's one of those situations where I look at what the number two guy costs, and I'm just ouch. Although I think I just drafted both of them a week or ten days ago in a league because what I paid for Murray, you know, you come back and get Henry. Henry's got some flex value on his own, and were DeMarco Murray to go down, unfortunately, Henry is an instant top ten guy. So, I mean, risk-reward is what it's all about. Todd. This running back, two, a month and a half ago, everybody hated him. He was dead to the fantasy football community. Now everybody loves him again, which means give it another week or two and everyone will hate him again. ADP of RB19, 59th overall. So we're just about to the end of the fifth round. Carlos Hyde of the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I'm hearing all kinds of great things uh, out of Hyde this year from the coaches and uh, people who have seen them at camp. He seems to be in better shape. He seems to be running harder. He seems – they're saying it seems like something has clicked within him and that he's seeing the whole field better. I, I think this is a great value right here where he's sitting. Uh, if he's there for me at this spot, I would jump all over him and not think twice about it. I think Hyde is a very nice pick at this juncture. And once again, you can always come back and get Joe Williams three or four rounds later if you want to hedge your bet. That was a guy everyone thought was going to be the starter six weeks ago, but turns out Carlos didn't get the memo. El Guapo does not want to give up his starting spot. We already know how Michael feels about this young running back, David, so we'll get your take on ADP of RB20. So coming right after Carlos Hyde. Back-to-back picks, the final pick of round number five. 
Amir Abdullah of the Detroit Lions. I'm going to go ahead and play devil's advocate here. I know you guys are all high on Abdullah, and I like Abdullah from a, a skill standpoint. I mean, there was his rookie season. I don't know if you guys recall, but there was a preseason game where he made one cut and took it to the house, and his ADP rose like 10 spots that, that afternoon. I mean, it was ridiculous once the highlights started circulating and everything. I mean, he's got the chops to be something special here, but I just don't know I just don't know that he's going to be. I mean, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to stay healthy and to really put together that full season. Um, it's, not a bad, it's not a bad pick there at 60th overall where he's coming in at. I prefer Riddick with a defined passing role coming in at 96 if I want to invest – in the Lions' backfield, there, I could not fault anybody. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of a pass on this one. I don't know if I'm selling. I don't know if I'm buying, but I'm buying Riddick later on. That's the better value, in my opinion, here. Michael, you've been to Patriots camp. You're the best person to speak on this since you haven't seen him because nobody has. ADP of RB21, 71st overall. So we're at the back end of round six. Mike Dillisley. You know, if there's one running back rule you should follow in fantasy, that is do not draft a Patriots running back, period. The Patriots do not run a scheme based on stats or yardage. They run a scheme based on how are they going to beat the player in front of them. And that may be Mike Gillisley one week. It may be Rex Burkhead. It may be James White. It may be Deion Lewis. For all we know, it may be Brandon Bolden. We just don't know. They carry so many running backs because they they scheme out every position down to the most minute detail that Belichick is so maniacal about, about what he's going to do in each situation that there is no way of telling what player from week to week is going to put up the numbers. So as much as I am a Patriots fan, I would not I would not own a Patriots running back for any amount of money in the world. I don't care where they're going in the draft. To actually have to play a Patriots running back would be way too nerve-wracking for me. <laughs> there you go, folks, from Patriots fan. I, at 21st of my running backs, late in the city, there's no chance in hell I'm taking Mike Dillisley in that spot. It's too early. I may be different if it was two, three rounds later. And if he blows up this year, I'll be wrong. But I'd rather be wrong about that than blow that when there are guys in that neighborhood who, like you said, are going to have a more defined role. And, yes, I know Gillisley had 5.7 yards carry last year. And, yes, I know the Patriots' offense is a meat grinder. And they should be playing from in front a lot and have the opportunity to grind, grind it out late. I don't mean they will. Like I said, the Belichick hates happiness. And he's going to do anything he can to destroy anyone who's smiling. So if you ever meet him, don't smile, or he'll slap you. Todd, 24th running back off the board. So we're at the back end of the RB2s. This is right now is the last running back in a 12-team league who is being drafted, quote-unquote, as a weekly starter. 74th overall, three picks after Gillisley. C.J. Anderson of the Denver Broncos. I, I'm very leery of the entire Denver Bronco offense, but even more so with the running backs, because the quarterback situation. It seems like right now all three are fighting for their lives to stake their claim as a number one running back. I think that this ends up being a lot more of a running back by committee as a whole. I don't think anyone sets out a clear-cut lead in front of the other. I hear that the running 
me in Denver. So I would not be buying at CJ Anderson. So I would be a seller. I'd be. I don't. I certainly wouldn't want to have to draft him as my RB two. I know that. I wouldn't want to have to count on him every week. Looking at that Denver situation there in the backfield, something about that that sticks out to me is, you know, Booker's already hurt, and also Booker sucks from what I've seen. I mean, last year when he had the backfield (laughs) to himself, he did awful. I think he averaged like 2.3 yards per carry. And I know YPC should be taken with a grain of salt. But so you got Booker, right? He's a competition. He's already dinged up, and he's already terrible at football. And then you also got Jamal Charles, who we know he's, you know, awesome, awesome fantasy Hall of Famer you know, great player in his prime, but he's not in his prime. And they're saying he's healthy, but how healthy is he? You know, that, that, that knee goes out again. You got Booker already on the shelf. C.J. Anderson's got the backfield to himself, and that has a lot of value to it. He's a grinder. He's a strong running back. Looking back at his film, you know, that, that Denver offensive line is nothing special. And he oftentimes would, through the seven games that he played last year, he would take nothing and make it into something, get, you know, three, four yards, get something positive. When the hole was there, he was hitting it hard and he was grinding it out. So it's a shame last year he just got his wheels up under him in week seven against the Texans. You know, it's going to be a decision call and a roster call when I get to that point in my draft, but I may be buying C.J. Anderson just because of what could happen, not what is currently happening. If if C.J. Anderson's number two running back in – that means that what I'm hoping for is that you've drafted well enough at the other positions and that you're strong, that you've kind of waited on the running back position. And to take a chance on somebody like a C.J. Anderson, when you're strong everywhere else, I, I could see doing that. But if he's my running back too and I, I don't have that really strong depth everywhere else, I'm a, he, I'm, he makes me a little nervous. I can agree with yeah, that. Yeah, he better be. You better be loaded at wide receiver or have Gronkowski or something. And that's why if he stays healthy, there's a good chance because I don't see anyone challenging him for that job. I don't trust Charles to stay healthy. And like you said, Booker sucks. So if he can stay healthy, there's a good chance that he'll at least perform to that level, if not exceed that cost. But he's another guy, as with so many of these guys, will he stay healthy is the $64 question. David, the next one is to you with an ADP of 86 overall. We're getting a little deeper. We're now in around eight. 27th running back off the board, which is pretty late to be getting a guy who is at least a nominal starter for his team, Paul Perkins of the New York Giants. Perkins is an interesting option here. As you mentioned, the nominal starter there, but I'm not certain that that's going to be his backfield, really. I mean, if you you look over there, I mean, I don't think Wayne Gallman is, is anything special, you know, with, with his brilliant speed that he flashed at the Combine. Um, obviously, or- Orleans Darkwa is nothing amazing. He's kind of just another guy there. But these are guys that could be eating into that early down work. I am going to sell Perkins draft dependent, though. It all depends on how I kind of load up on the front end of my draft. If I want to take some darts and, you know, kind of higher end lottery tickets with my running backs, like guys like C.J. Anderson and Paul Perkins, that's that's got some, you know, thought there to it. But really, the, the guy in the Giants' backfield I like is Vereen. He's got the, the clear-cut role if he's you know can be healthy in, in the passing down situations. I'm not really a Paul Perkins investor outside of just like the perfect situation, so I'm going to sell on him. I just I don't know how much the Giants are going to run the ball. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL last year running the ball. The line, to me, doesn't look any better this year than it was last year. 
and they were terrible at run by. I think that team is going to be right there toward the top of the NFL in pass attempts. I don't know that that's the wisest course of action to put that much on Eli Manning's plate at this point in his career, but I don't know that the Giants are going to have a choice this season. I just, to me, they look like, and if they're throwing the ball all day long, then the third down back is going to be out there, and the third down back is Shane Breen. So I kind of agree with you. I mean, he's and he can be an interesting option, but I just it's hard for me to get excited about him. I think there yeah, are I agree with that. RB three territory, quote unquote, sleepers or whatever that I would probably rather roster than Perkins around that spot. Mike, speaking of fantasy Hall of Famers, this guy's picked up a few yards in his career. He's not getting any younger putting on a different colored helmet this year with an ADP of 96 overall. So the final pick in round number eight, 32nd uh, among running backs. And who thought we'd ever say that about this gentleman? Adrian Peterson of the New Orleans Saints. You know, uh, it's it's going to be draft dependent. I'm going to have to see what's there. But it's it's very telling to me that he ended up having to sign with the Saints because the Saints already had a bell cow back in Mark Ingram, who was doing pretty well on his own. So I I don't think he was brought in to take over for Mark Ingram, who already has a chemistry and already has understands the playbook and, and all of that. I just think he was brought in as, as, as a backup because of his talent, and I don't think he could find a starting job. I don't think with all with the need for running backs like in Philadelphia and uh, other places, the Jets that need running backs, he couldn't find a starting job. So he took a job he took a job as a second back to Mark Ingram. And add to the fact that Peterson's never been a receiver out of the backfield. All of this tells me that you know buyer beware with Adrian Peterson. If you're buying him as a week to week starter sell. Don't don't buy him. If you're buying him as a bench bench player, as an occasional starter, as a matchup dependent, as somebody you can wait and see how that backfield situation shakes out, I could I and it kills me to say this because he was he's won championships for me as 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 a running back, but I just, I don't feel comfortable trusting him. As a fan, I like to see him explode and run for 1,800 yards again and just prove everybody wrong just like he did when he tore his ACL. The realist in me doesn't think that's going to happen. I mean, he's 32 years old, I believe, and it's it's been a heck of a ride, AD, but I think even at 32nd among running backs, I think people are a little better drafting the past, and that never works out for a fantasy squad. Mr. Latsky, the last one is yours with an ADP of 44th among running backs, although I think that's climbing as news from camp seems to favor him remaining at least. Here comes the word again, nominally the lead back for the Washington Redskins. 140th overall, though. That's a ways down in your draft. Let's do what? Almost the end of the 12th round, I believe. Fat Rob Kelly. The Washington Redskins. I am buying, 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 and buying again. I've heard that he's lost a lot of weight. He's toned down, so he's much more muscular. And again, uh, it seems like something has clicked within him. Uh, it sounds like he's seeing the field better. Uh, he's using his block 
but don't don't forget, folks, that this is one very good offensive line that he's running behind. Well, I, that does it for the list. I guess to close things up, you know, we'll talk a little draft strategy. I'll turn the floor over to each of you for a few moments. And just tell me, you know, kind of how you address the running back position in your fantasy draft. I mean, if there's a particular strategy you like to employ, you let the draft come to you. What have you? David, we'll go to you first. Well, you know, being uh, the shark that I am, I'm in so many leagues that – I really just let the draft come to me. Every league is a different size and shape and, you know, different scoring rules and things of that nature. So, you know, if I'm top three or, excuse me, top two now, um, you know, Zeke's not in the top three definitively, then, uh, you know, top twos are set in stone, obviously. But after that, it's really kind of dealer's choice. And I'm mixing it up, too, because if I'm picking in the middle of the first, sometimes I'll take McCoy, sometimes I'll take a big receiver. It just really depends on on what I'm feeling that day and how that league is. So I really just always let the draft come to me, but I do like to have a nice stable of running back. Cause as we mentioned at the top of the show, these guys go down, stuff happens. There's a lot of wear and tear on a running back's body. So you can never have too many running backs, too many hooks in the water. You should have plenty in your stable at all times. Michael. Well, I, I can't, I can't agree more with David as far as letting the draft comes to you. My strategy with running backs is I don't reach. I never reach for a running back because they just break down. It never seems like it's fully rewarded when you reach for this for a running back just to have them because they, they go down, they get injured. And the other thing I do in, in every league, and I try to do this as much as I can, is I going back to that running backs going down, I'm a get-your-handcuff guy. You know, I make sure I always have that running back handcuff as much as I can. You know, and I use that strategy in the draft I had this weekend. I had was looking there for a choice between drafting um, Doug Martin or drafting uh, Kareem Hunt, and I went Martin because somebody had taken Spencer Ware already in the draft. And I said, well, there goes my handcuff. I'm not going to be able to get him. Now, later on, I was able to – get Kareem Hunt anyway by trading for him, but I always want to make sure that if I have a player, I have the handcuff to go along with it because it's such a fragile and such a volatile position. Todd? Uh, as you've heard me preach in previous years, uh, I am a running back quarter. Um, I uh, also, and we all agreed last week that we're going to wait on quarterbacks. I'm going to be getting my fair share of running backs early. Um, in a league where you've got 16 people on your rosters, I normally try and have six running backs, uh, maybe even seven, because of the uncertainty with the injuries, plus also the, the chance that somebody you'd find very late breaks out, all of a sudden you look like a genius. Uh, I'm a big believer in running backs, and I always will be. Uh, I am collecting running backs once again this year. Yeah, I agree with everything you all said. You more or less describe my strategy. If there's a position I'm inclined to be more aggressive at, it's going to be running back, but you don't want to reach. And you don't you can't go into a draft to say to yourself, okay, my first two picks are going to be running backs because you don't know how the draft's going to play out. And you may reach by the time it gets to your pick, if Antonio Brown's staring you in the face at the eighth overall pick, not that that would happen, but if it did, and you say, well I'm taking a running back anyway, that would just be dumb. So you gotta let the draft come to you. You want to be flexible. You want to make sure you've got running backs. You want to make sure you have insurance for those running backs, provided 
I mean, you want to look at the handcuffs. You want to make sure there's a guy that you can reasonably expect is going to step into that lead role and give you a decent percentage of that production. Like in Arizona right now, I don't know that I'm handcuffing David Johnson just because I don't know that there's a handcuff there really worth having. I mean, I think if David Johnson were to go down, the Cardinals would probably just quit. <laughs> and <laughs> Whereas if you're drafting Ezekiel, you should absolutely target Darren McFadden. Uh, I already mentioned DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, although that's a very costly one. And they're going to be back. And sometimes those are the best backs for those guys where you got that high-end starter, but the handcuff is a much less expensive one because – you know, there are going to be plenty of fantasy owners targeting Derrick Henry. There's not necessarily, if you're in a 14-16 round draft, going to be someone who's tripping over himself to go get Darren McFadden. So you can swoop in there late, grab him, because, you know, your kicker and defense is going to be your last two picks anyway. So 13-14 rounds where you should be targeting handcuffs and young wide receivers. And but We'll get to that. We will get to that next week, gentlemen. We will be discussing the wide receiver position. Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham and all that good stuff. Once again, I thank you all for joining us. It was another great show, a lot of good information for fantasy owners. Hopefully they will listen to most of it, the stuff that the other guys said, the stuff that I say. I don't even listen to me. Very good, gentlemen. Thank you very much. I uh, hope you all have a good week. Thank you all for listening. And we will see you again next week. See you. Thank you. See you guys.